This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, August 11th, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellums. In today's second half hour, we have a new sound perimeter from Leah Uribe. And just ahead, a growing population in both northwest Arkansas and Oklahoma, college students from Texas. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope delivers her report in just a moment. Arkansas legislators are delivering a tax cut. Yesterday, the second day of a special session, both chambers gave initial approval to identical bills. Governor Asa Hutchinson had called the session to consider how to spend part of a $1.6 billion budget surplus. The governor issued a statement calling it a good day for the taxpayers of Arkansas with the passage of the $500 million tax relief bills in both the House and Senate. The governor says the tax cut could not come at a better time with the continued challenge of high food and gas prices. Democrats argue the tax cut won't help most Arkansans and could jeopardize federal COVID-19 relief funding from the American Rescue Plan Act. On average, we're told Northwest Arkansas is gaining 30 people a day. And the University of Arkansas is expecting its largest number of students in history later this month. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports some graduated students from in and out of the state might call Arkansas home, but do not account for much of the region's population growth. Brush is cleared and the ground is prepped with structural dirt in southeast Fayetteville for another housing division. Home construction like this went up 41% in the second half of 2021 from the year before in the region, according to an Arvest Skyline report. The university is expecting a record-breaking 30,000 students, and about 900 of those students will live in nearby complexes off campus. Susan McRae, the university's vice president of enrollment management, says the freshman class will have a record number of Arkansan students. The majority of people coming from a state will be coming from Arkansas, but Texas will be next, and we are excited about that pipeline. Arkansans made up almost 50% of the total student population in 2021, and Texans made up nearly 24% in the same year. For the past decade, students from Texas were the second highest number of students enrolled in the university. McCray says there is a strong competition for students in Texas because while the university has three recruiters there, some other schools in the SEC have more. Um, but we're just really pleased that... The University of Arkansas is really an attractive place for students to spend their undergraduate careers and then for many to stay in the state and for those who don't stay in the state to be friends to our state where they do go. Some students call Arkansas home after graduation, but others go back to the Lone Star State. McRae says building and sustaining connections with U of A graduates who live in and out of state is important to the Arkansas community. You know, they just they move here from Texas to go to college and then they decide to stay. And so and then a lot of times their parents migrate here as well, you know, because of grandkids and other things. This is Chris Demarest. He is the president of the Northwest Arkansas Board of Realtors and a longtime resident of the region. During the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, Texas had one of the highest moving rates, and most people who left the state moved to Arkansas, according to the National Realtors Association. But in the same report, Texas also received the greatest number of Arkansans who moved. 
does create some struggles for folks that are, you know, that are on the lower end of the home buyer scale because there's a lot of competition right now. It's difficult. I mean, we have clients that we, we used to go out and we would show 10 or 12 homes to folks. And now it's like, you know, there's just one or two available and it's like a, there's 10 or 12 people trying to buy it instead of, you know, 10 or 12 homes to choose from. Arkansas is home to a handful of Fortune 500 companies. Walmart, J.B. Hunt, and Tyson Foods are based in the Northwest region alone and attract people from around the globe. Most people who moved to the region were from Arkansas in 2015 to 2019, according to the census. Northwest Arkansas has been called the next Austin. Billboards marketing the region's lower cost of living are up in the capital of Texas. Nelson Peacock, president and CEO of the Northwest Arkansas Council, says the council picked markets like Austin where the companies are recruiting from and the message of lower costs would resonate. And I think in Austin, Texas, we have a lot of the characteristics and qualities that people in Austin like, you know, ease of access to outdoors, live music. Obviously, we don't have the tech boom that they've had. We would like to create a bit of that here, probably not to the extent that they have seen. We want to try to grow a little bit more at a moderate rate. Sam Walton, Don Tyson, J.B. Hunt, and other business figures established the Northwest Arkansas Council to further growth in the region. However, the area's home prices jumped nearly 29 percent, outpacing that of Tampa, Orlando, and Las Vegas, according to the council's latest report. Peacock says although more people are coming to the area, that growth is not guaranteed. And so when we look at how do we attract talent here, how do we attract the jobs of the future here, that's what we're focused on, to make sure that the next 15 years are as good economically and for the people that live here as the last 15. For Ozarks at Large and the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Anna Pope. As Oklahoma colleges struggle to maintain enrollment, they're increasingly turning to other places to recruit new students. State Impact's Robbie Korth reports the top target is the Sooner State's neighbors to the south. University of Oklahoma junior Braden Co. is parked in his gray Jeep Grand Cherokee near the edge of campus. I honestly think that I see more Texas license plates in Norman than Oklahoma license plates. It's kind of crazy. CO is studying meteorology, and we spoke in front of Norman's National Weather Center building. It's what he learns inside there that drew him from his home of Kirbyville, Texas. It's consistently been ranked like among the top meteorology schools in the country. Um, and, and on top of that, the university itself is its a really nice campus. There's a lot to offer, and um, Norman's great. Uh, I just felt like OU was definitely the, the best choice. Almost 13,000 Texas high school graduates were enrolled in Oklahoma colleges last year. And as the total number of students enrolled in Oklahoma's higher ed institutions has declined each year during the pandemic, the number of Texans has actually increased. That isn't an accident. Kimberly West is OU's Director of National Recruitment. The Texas student is really important to the University of Oklahoma. OU has made recruiting out-of-state students a top priority, and Texas is a place where potential targets are plentiful. OU has a half-dozen admissions counselors based in the state. We're putting a lot of our eggs in that basket in hopes that we can continue to um, keep the pipeline going. OU is expecting a record-sized freshman class this fall, and Wes says school officials anticipate it will be about 48% out-of-state students, with roughly half of those students coming from Texas. 
what that says is the product that OU is, people love across the country, right? Our brand is known. Um, We've had students come from places, have excellent experiences here, and then go back home and talk about their experiences. But OU is hardly alone in its efforts. Oklahoma State has made the Lone Star State a similar priority. In fact, Texas students have been a big driver in maintaining enrollment at the state's two biggest universities as overall enrollment has fallen. OSU's Vice President of Enrollment, Karen Chen, says they're an important part of Stillwater. We love our our, uh, our Texas families and, and our students. Um, I mean, you know, they have such a great experience on campus and, um, you know, they share those stories. And so it's it goes beyond our region. It, go, it goes beyond the, the borders of Texas, too. OSU has fewer Texas students, but the phenomenon of Texas plates on Stillwater Roads is still there. Similarly, Chen says OSU is expecting a record class, and out-of-state students will make up roughly a third, with the majority of them coming from south of the Red River. We want to continue to expand the opportunities for students to receive an OSU education. Um, That is first and foremost. um, And in Oklahoma and Texas, around the nation and the world, For both schools, out-of-state students are incredibly important to one thing, the bottom line. Over the last decade, Oklahoma's legislature has slashed higher ed funding. That means there's less taxpayer money as the price of educating students rises. And that leads to increasing tuition bills, which are largely borne by out-of-state students. The rising cost of college tuition is certainly felt by students like CO at OU. As OU's Board of Regents debated potential tuition increases this summer, they chose to only protect in-state students with a freeze, hiking out-of-stayers like CO's tuition and fees by 3%. And that matters. But CO says he still wouldn't trade his education in Norman for one at a Texas school. Yeah, it would have been cheaper to go to a Texas school, but, you know, I, I don't regret it. Oklahoma colleges, especially OU and OSU, are banking on students like him maintaining that attitude as they try to keep enrollment on pace. For State Impact, I'm Robbie Korth. State Impact is a public radio outlet that is based in Oklahoma. We thank Robbie Korth for that report. Anna's report that you heard earlier is airing on Oklahoma public radio stations tomorrow. Democrats in the Arkansas legislature are hoping to extend a special session that's underway this week to allow consideration of bills to raise teacher pay and expand exceptions for abortions. Lawmakers are determining how to best spend a $1.6 billion budget surplus. During a press conference yesterday, Representative Megan Godfrey of Springdale said raising teacher salaries should not wait until next year's regular session because many are quickly leaving the profession. Our teachers are building a brighter Arkansas for all of us, and raising teacher pay is one of the best ways we can show our appreciation, improve recruitment and retention, and compete with the higher teacher salaries in surrounding states. Another bill Democrats would like considered follows the Supreme Court's recent ruling that abortion is not a protected right. The state's trigger law immediately banned the procedure except to save the life of the mother. Representative Nicole Clowney of Fayville says that needs to be changed. We're hearing from women and health care providers about the urgent need for exceptions in Arkansas's extreme abortion ban. The law as it stands today provides no exceptions uh, for rape or incest, lethal fetal anomaly, or the health of the mother. Further, without rape or incest exceptions, Arkansas's current abortion law is in conflict 
with federal Medicaid rules, putting us at risk for losing billions in federal funding. Extending the session beyond what was on the call from Governor Asa Hutchinson will take a vote from lawmakers. Senator Clark Tucker of Little Rock says Democrats are hopeful but not confident they'll have the needed support to extend the session. The Giving Tree Back to School Edition returns. All this week, KUAF Public Radio is working with Second Helping NWA to gather school supplies for children in our communities that may need help getting some items. Your donations will help to fill 24 donated backpacks that Second Helping NWA will then distribute at Grandview Apartments next Sunday during the Sunday for the Soul Backpack Giveaway event. You can help fill a backpack for a child by bringing school supplies like packs of glue sticks, 24 packs of crayons, and colored pencils, packs of number two pencils, packages of wide-ruled loose-leaf paper, and more. For the full list of needed items, go to KUAF.com. School is just around the corner. Help make every child's school year the best it can be. Again, needed items at KUAF.com. This is Ozarks at Large. Today is August 11th, 811. And those three numbers, 811, happen to be the ones you use to call before you dig to make sure you're not going to hit a utility line that could cause an outage, cost money, or injure or kill you. Today is nationally 811 day. Black Hills Energy is recognizing the day in a variety of ways. And with me on the phone is Nathan Stewart, the Damage Prevention Manager with Black Hills Energy. Nathan, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Appreciate the chance to come and talk. Well, we, we've all seen the signs, right? Call before you dig, 811. And I think one of the first things we wonder is, wait, does that mean me in my backyard if I'm going to put in a tree? Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. Like, when we, when we tend to think about digging, we think about excavators and big tractors and things that move a lot of dirt. But really, you know, the 811 system is built for any type of time that you're, you know, breaking ground or, or even disturbing the topsoil. So it could be something as simple as planting a tree or or putting in a new fence or a new deck. You know, projects around the home that that dig underground would be applied to 811 just like it would if you're using bigger equipment. All right, so we're going to do some digging, whether it's with the backhoe or the shovel. What happens if I call when I hit 811? Do I talk to somebody? Yeah, so that that is the the most typical way if you dial 811 on the phone. You know, nowadays there's technology as well where you can even submit tickets online and things like that. But certainly if you dial 811 on your phone, you're going to be connected to an agent who will, you know, ask you where you're going to be digging and just collect enough information that all the utilities in the area can come out and mark their lines so you know what's underground before you start digging. And so it's as simple as uh, it can be as simple as those spray painted marks and those little flags that are uh, there. And you just try you do respect those when you're doing your project. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you call 811, all the utilities that are in the area. So if you're working at your house, you know, the water company will come out and mark the water line. The gas company will mark the gas line and so on. And, you know, they'll all put their like you said, put their flags and their paint on the ground that's an indication to you that there's a line directly under there or within, you know, a foot or two, because it's not always an exact science about where, where the marks go, but it's a, it's an indication that you should dig very carefully in that area or avoid digging that area at all. if you can. How much will this cost me when I'm adding on to the cost of my project? You know, the nice part is it doesn't <laughs> cost you a dime. <laughs> you know, we kind of always use the phrase, it's free, it's easy, and it's the law, but it really is free. It is free to the person using the service. You call, you know, you wait two days 
and by the end of the two two days from from when you call in, everything should be marked, and you should be able to to uh, to dig on your project. But like you said, it doesn't cost you a dime. Now, um, I mentioned when I started our conversation that it could cause an outage. You could break a water line. You could be subject to fines, but it could. I mean, worst case scenario, you could hurt yourself or kill yourself if you cut the wrong thing. Yeah, it, it, certainly. Anytime you're digging around an underground facility, there's there's danger there. And obviously, I work for Black Hills Energy, so you know we have uh, natural gas in our in our distribution lines. So as long as that gas stays inside the pipeline, it's a very safe product. But when people hit it with you know while they're digging and it and it releases out of that pipe then it's not a good situation it's not a safe situation so bad things can happen you know that also goes for other utilities you don't want to you don't want to open up an electric line or hit that with your shovel so anytime you're digging around any facility that's underground there's there's some danger present when it doesn't and when it's not allowed to operate in its normal uh, mode and this now does Black Black Hills, I believe, has a truck, a, a damage prevention truck. Do I have that right? Yeah. So actually, uh, for eight one one day this year in Arkansas, we're going to be rolling out a damage prevention outreach trailer um, that we can kind of promote safe digging and kind of the rules and kind of the best practices that go along with all of that. Um, to the public and to contractors and others. And, it, you know, it's kind of got a multimedia feature to it. It's got a large TV. It's got some speakers. It's also got a little stage. But it's just a place where we can kind of showcase or talk about some of the things that go along with safe digging. And Saturday, which, of course, isn't 8-11, it's 8-13, but there is a, a, a run that benefits construction angels. Who are the construction angels? Yeah, so Construction Angels is a is a group that that works to um, you know construction workers that have been killed or injured in the line of work and you know construction industry as a whole, not just excavation, um, but to try to take care of their children that that may have been left behind if they deceased. So you know from supporting daily needs to scholarships and college funds and things like that. So it's certainly a good cause. And that'll be at the start at the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks on Saturday at, I love how you lean into this, at 11, 8, 11 Saturday morning. That's right. That's right. And it is, a, it is an 8.11-mile uh, run and kind of in coordination with 811 Day, obviously doing it on the weekend a couple of days later to accommodate you know more people's work schedules. But it will be done in coordination with construction agents to promote to promote 811 and safe digging as well. I just want to point out it's an 8.11K run, not an 8.11 I was mile. Just, I, was, <laughs> I was just thinking that, as I said it, that it might actually be 8.11 kilometers. Nathan Stewart is the Damage Prevention Manager with Black Hills Energy. Nathan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Time now for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Well, it is now officially official. A group led by Walmart heir Rob Walton is the newest NFL franchise owner. On Tuesday, the league's owners unanimously approved the sale of the Denver Broncos to an ownership group led by Walton, who is the son of Walmart founder Sam Walton. The Walton-Pinner ownership group has agreed to pay $4.65 billion for the team, and that is a record price for a sports franchise. The late Pat Bolin and his family had owned the team for 38 years. 
The two sides agreed to the deal in June. Forbes says the net worth of the 77-year-old Walton is $65 billion. That makes him the richest owner in the NFL. The ownership team also includes his daughter, Carrie, and her husband, Greg Penner, who is Walmart's board chairman. The ownership group also includes former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice and Formula One driver Lewis Hamilton. The Penners are Colorado residents and are expected to lead the team's day-to-day operations. We've got more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Arkansas nonprofit The Venture Center is based in Little Rock and its mission is to boost entrepreneurship. In a recent interview with Roby Brock, Executive Director Wayne Miller discussed how the center has survived and thrived during the pandemic and recovery and its niche in the financial technology industry. What have you been seeing um, post-pandemic in terms of entrepreneurship, uh, whether that's utilization of your uh, group's resources or just some general trends that you've been seeing? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty interesting question. Uh, you know, first of all, I think that uh, the pandemic did inspire some entrepreneurship. You know, people got stuck at home and some folks decided to retire a little early. So I think we've seen certainly an uptick in folks' interest to build and grow businesses. You know, the average age of an entrepreneur is about 38 years old today. I don't think those folks are retiring, but I think the older folks, probably 60 plus, are doing more in that venue, which is, or that vein, which I think has been sort of interesting. Um, we are getting some good energy around people getting back together. Uh, still a little bit of ebb and flow as to the extent of uh, the intensity of, 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 the, of the virus uh, and, and still some caution, uh, certainly in our area. But, but I've had the opportunity to travel a lot over the last couple, two or three months, going back to conventions, getting back together with people, both from an entrepreneurial as well as from a fintech perspective. And, you know, folks are certainly glad to be back together. Um, so I think that's a good thing. The, the other thing is that uh, there, there are some economic pressures right now that are being felt by entrepreneurs as we look at the valuations of companies, which have been highly discounted over this last few months. Uh, and there's some opportunities out there, et cetera. But uh, it's a good time to, as an entrepreneur to, uh, to, to, to keep your, your, your powder dry and prepare for what could be a, a fairly long, uh, maybe 12, 18, 24 month uh, cycle to raising capital again. So we're seeing some folks adjust some of this, there were valuations that were pretty frothy in the market. Uh, so this was, to some degree, I think, an appropriate correction, but uh, still a lot of capital out there, uh, a lot of fat balance sheets, but people are going to be cautious and looking for deals. But, uh, you know, look, if you build a good business, you can always find money to get it going. So uh, some perspective for you there. 
you have helped moved quite a few good businesses through there. I want to talk a little bit more in the history of what you guys have done in the fintech space with some of the cohorts that you've brought in with um, uh, some of the uh, talent that you've helped assemble and push out the door uh, into the private sector and public sector space there. What's been the track record? Um, I think I saw a statistic that said about 94% of the fintechs that have come through the Venture Center have been successful. What does that, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, when we say that, so 94% of the companies that have been through our programs and you know, we just uh, started our seventh program uh, with FIS actually yesterday was the orientation. So when you combine that with the ICB, that's now 11 programs, which puts us at 107 companies totally engaged with the Venture Center over what has been a seven year period. Uh, but what we, we reflect on that uh, for two reasons. One is if you look at typical incubation and acceleration programs, it tends to be converse. So it tends to be about a five to 6% success rate. But, but just part of that's our methodology and how we work with our clients. But to us, that means that they are still in business, they're active or have been acquired. So that is what the 94% reflects on from a metrics perspective. The, the other thing that's pretty important is that the process that we use here, working with uh, all the banks that we bring through, et cetera, who give us this opportunity to de-risk these companies in a fashion that's, uh, I always like to equate it to Gene Hackman and Hoosiers when he tells this guy to, I want you to guard this guy so closely that you know the flavor of his chewing gum at the end of the game. You know, we spent 16 weeks with these guys and man, we know the flavor of their chewing gum and what they're made out of. So it gives us the capacity to de-risk them, but it's enabled us to get them to a position where the average capital raise coming out of the program now is, is north of 8 million bucks. And that takes out a couple of the the biggies, we've had one company in there, we've got actually three or four unicorns that are now in existence as a reason, not so much as the result of this, but I think we've had impact on their growth and their success. So you've added another layer to something that you're going to do in the fintech space uh, in mid-August, I think the 15th through the 17th, you're going to do this um, Vincent Fintech Summit. Tell me what to expect. Yeah, you know, it's been uh, kind of a vision we've had for about three or four years, you know, as we've you know, been able to leverage and really exploit the great fintech history that exists here in Little Rock, as well as, you know, my God, the, 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 the entrepreneurial DNA in the state is pretty much second to, to few. And, and, you know, what we've tried to do is really build on the, the accelerator platform that we've built. You know, one of the things that we have seen is, you know, the last ICBA program, 250 banks participated, and most of that was done virtually, of course, because of the environment. But also, uh, you know, that's nearly a thousand bankers. Uh, Arvest, for example, had 60 people on the call and spent six or seven hours on Zoom getting to know these companies and so forth. But, Robbie, what we've been able to do is, is build a great deal of trust in an environment where both the fintechs and the banks can win. And they get a chance to sit down at the table and collaborate effectively over the solution, the problem, and, you know, the companies that become more mature over time. And what they really provide for the bankers coming uh, today is... They provide, uh, really, we like to suggest your shovel-ready or bank-ready solutions. They can deploy these solutions tomorrow in their institution. And what really matters to them is that helping them save money or make money, right? That, that, that's kind of the key and the root of what we do. But, but this trusted partnership has enabled us to put our hand up to say, hey, what if we were to bring all of our alumni and some of the leading subject matter experts, both in the regulatory, banking as a service, digital, digital transformation all the various spaces that are impacting banking today. What if we brought everybody together to collaborate at a higher level and at a bigger scale? And that is very much what we've tried to create with Vincent. And I have to tell you, um, 
this has been a pretty big lift for our team. You know, we're just about 10 or 11 people here at the Venture Center. So to do a conference at this level for us with now nearly 400 people coming in attendance, uh, I can't say enough about my team's effort in the community. The Vincent FinTech Summit next week will also include a conversation between Governor Asa Hutchinson and FIS CEO Gary Norcross, who is a native Arkansan. You can watch Wayne Miller's interview with Roby Brock on our sister website at talkbusiness.net. In other news this week, the U.S. Marshals Museum in Fort Smith named Ben Johnson of Iowa its new president and CEO. Patrick Weeks, who faces two felony charges of aggravated assault with a firearm, resigned that job in March. And a third party will build publicly traded Canoe's first electric delivery vans for Walmart. And that is a change from the startup's previous plans to assemble them at its Bentonville factory. Bloomberg reported that news Monday following the EV maker's second quarter earnings report. Canoe reported a net loss of $164.4 million in the second quarter and nearly $290 million loss in the first half of the year. But the company says it ended the second quarter with more than $1 billion in its sales pipeline. And we are closing in on the deadline to make nominations for our final recognition program of the year, the C-Suite Awards. The nomination deadline is Friday, August 19th, and this year's honorees will be profiled in the October 10th issue of the Business Journal. For more information, you can find details at nwabusinessjournal.com. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. We're just about a minute away from finding out about live music taking place this week, this weekend, throughout our region. Timothy Dennis will be here to deliver a summer set of live music. That's just ahead. People Helping People, a nonprofit agency providing prescription medication assistance in Carroll County, will host a series of musical events benefiting their efforts every Thursday in September, all of them taking place at Gotta Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs. The series will launch on September 1st with Sky Pollard and Family Holler. Other performers include Rambling Creek, Gray Squires and Friends, and Mountain Gypsies. All events will be on September Thursdays from 5.30 to 6.30 at Gotta Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs. Joplin, Missouri-based Pro Musica is planning to have a full season of classical music concerts beginning this fall to celebrate its 43rd season. First concert is September 8th, and it features the Cinta Quartet. That's a saxophone foursome who will present an evening of chamber music. Season also includes appearances by the Vienna Boys Choir and more. You can learn more at promusicajoplin.org. Guitarist Albert Cummings is celebrating the release of his latest record, 10, with a tour stop at the Lyric in downtown Harrison, Sunday night, September 11th. That will begin at 7 p.m. He's a Massachusetts-born musician who's played alongside B.B. King, Johnny Winter, and Buddy Guy. Information about the show available at thelyric.org. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. This is Ozarks at Large, and I am so happy to say, joining me, albeit by Zoom, but joining me uh, for this Thursday is Timothy Dennis, so we can once again talk about live music in our area. Hello, Timothy. Hello, Kyle. It's so good to be back. I enjoyed my time off, even if much of it was spent mending a broken arm, but I am so happy to be back, so happy to be letting everyone know about some good live music that's coming up in the next seven days. All right, before we get to music, let me ask about 
your I, was it your arm, your wrist? What what broke? I basically broke my arm near my elbow and near my wrist in a conflict with gravity, pavement, and my bicycle. <laughs> but you're doing better now. I'm in good spirits, and you know I was able to pick up my bass guitar for the first time in a month last week, so I'm doing I'm doing good. Okay, so just in case people can't come over to your house and hear you play bass guitar, <laughs> but they still want to hear live music, let's go. Let's tell them where they can go. Okay, let's start with tonight. George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have a pretty big show. Featuring Jessica Page and Lucas Parker and the Monk is King trio. Oh, that is a big show. There's a man in my bed Resting his pretty little head While he dreams I sing sweet Tickets for that show are $15. That gets underway at 8.30 tonight. If you can't make it to that show or if you'd like a double dose, Jessica Page and Lucas Parker, they'll also be at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs Saturday night at 8 o'clock with a $5 cover. Noted. Okay, moving on to Friday night. George's Majestic Lounge for the Late Show is going to have Funk Factory on stage. Great funk and soul party band. Mm-hmm. Cover for that's $15. That'll get underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night again. That's at George's in Fayetteville. Happening in a different part of Fayetteville, Nomad's Trailside is having a metal night tomorrow night, featuring the bands Senses Divide, Agents of Chaos, and Disaster Map. That starts at 8 o'clock. Have a $5 cup. 8 o'clock. I can handle an 8 o'clock start. I love 8 o'clock starts, honestly. The only thing better than an 8 o'clock start is a 7 o'clock start, in my mind. Agreed. Moving on to Benton County, Meteor Guitar Gallery is going to feature the Robert Johnson Legacy Tour. So think a lot of blues music. They're going to feature the artist Stephen L. Johnson, Blues City Limits, and local artist Tony Redman. Tickets are $25 today. They go up to $30 tomorrow again. That starts at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, again at Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville. Happening at the Momentary tomorrow night, they're doing the Free on the Momentary Green concerts this year again. This week they are featuring CARM, C-A-R-M. That's a solo project of producer, arranger, and multi-instrumentalist C.J. Camarieri. He's worked with people like Paul Simon, Sufjan Stevens, and quite a few others, actually. Wow. is a freak concert on the Momentary Green. Gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at the Momentary in Bentonville. Happening over to the east in Eureka Springs, Chelsea's is going to have their own Jerry Garcia tribute show featuring Danny Spain Gang and the band Green Acres. That show has a $5 cover. Again, that's at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. Green Acres is also playing a set at Kingfish Saturday evening at 8 o'clock on a bill with the rock band Leylines. What can you tell me about Green Acres? They're kind of folksy, a little bit rocky, you know, somewhere on the Americana spectrum, I would say. Okay. Okay. Uh, moving on, more music in Eureka Springs Friday night. Dominic Brian Roy is going to be on stage at the Gravel Bar. In the sun, it shines on my 
That gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night again at the Gravel Bar in Springs. Do you remember the name of the pig on Green Acres? I do not. I've only seen reruns a few times at Green Acres, and it's been probably a couple decades even since. Arnold Ziffel. Arnold Ziffel. Arnold Ziffel. Huh. All right. Moving on to Saturday night. Smoke and Barrel Tavern in Fayetteville is going to have another hard rock and metal show featuring Temptress, Moonsong, and The Salesman. Tell me all the things that I want That show is $7. That gets underway at 9 o'clock Saturday evening again at Smoke and Barrel Tavern in Fayetteville. Moving up to Bella Vista, the Simple Pleasures Event Center is going to have a Back to the 80s concert featuring the party band Restless Natives. That show, they're asking for $25 at the door. That'll get underway at 5 o'clock Saturday evening. Again, that's at the Simple Pleasures Event Center in Bella Vista. That's because those of us who remember the 80s appreciate a 5 o'clock start even more than a 7 o'clock start. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Butterfield Stage and Rogers Saturday night. They're going to have a bluegrass night presented by the Hillberry Music Festival. They're going to feature Opal Gauthier and One Way Traffic. Again, that is a free show at the Butterfield Stage. They'll get underway at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at Butterfield Stage in Rogers. Happening over in Siloam Springs, Ivory Bill Brewing Company is going to have an artist by the name of Red Heron on stage. He's a local songwriter by the name of Alex Martin, and he'll feature some of his collaborators. They actually put out an album this year called Inertia that's available on streaming right now. And let that light in. Don't you That show at Ivory Bill Saturday night gets underway at 6 o'clock. Again, that's in Siloam Springs. Then down in Winslow, our friends at Ozark Folkways are going to have a show by Earl and them. Oh, cool. They're asking for $10 at the door at that show to help support Ozark Folkways and the musicians as well. Uh, That gets underway at 6 o'clock Saturday evening again at Ozark Folkways in Winslow. Then Sunday... George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears on stage. If you're unfamiliar, they play kind of soul and blues music. Tickets are $18 in advance. They go up to $20 on Sunday. Again, that gets underway at 8.30 Sunday night at George's in Fayetteville. Then one more show to let you know about. Next Wednesday, The Beacon, which is a newer tap room by Hawkmoth Brewery in Bentonville. They're going to feature a show with Ira Wolf. Now, that is a Nashville-based songwriter who's performed at the Roots HQ in Fayetteville in the past. But they'll be joined by local artist Arlai on the 
ten dollars that show that gets underway at 6 30 next wednesday at the beacon in bentonville and also next week the walmart amp and rogers is going to have incubus sublime and keith urban so if you need a little bit of 90s rock a little bit of more modern country they have you wait incubus sublime and keith urban you're talking that's two different two different shows, dates though. two different dates okay. uh, tuesday is going to be incubus and sublime and next thursday they're going to have keith urban and I'm also going to throw in, tomorrow night, Friday night, at the Fayetteville Public Library, I'll be on stage with Henry Rollins. Yes. And that's a free conversation. With We start off with the title that libraries are punk rock. All right. Timothy Dennis, so great to have you back. Continue healing. And uh, we'll do this again next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Kyle. Yeah, this is Andy Winger. I'm calling from Bella Vista. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. I am Nora Cully, a seventh grader from Haas Hall Academy. Thank you for all that you do. This is Raydeen Trees Nearing. I love you, K-U-A-F. My name is Rebecca Cavanaugh, calling from Springdale, Arkansas. Thank you so much to Public Radio. Thanks. Bye. Hey, K-U-A-F. It's Blytheimer from Fayetteville. Thanks for letting us call in. Bye. And thank you for listening, and thank you for continuing to support Public Radio, K-U-A-F, and Ozarks at Large. The Arkansas Razorback soccer team ranked eighth in the nation will open the 2022 season a week from tonight at St. Louis University. Last night, the Razorbacks won their only preseason exhibition match over Kansas 6-0 in Lawrence. The first home match for Arkansas will be August 21st. That's a Sunday afternoon. They'll meet DePaul at noon that day. The Arkansas Razorback men's basketball team continues its foreign exhibition tour today with a game in Barcelona. Arkansas won its first game of the tour earlier this week, 108-59. Two more games against Spanish teams before the Razorbacks fly back home. And the Northwest Arkansas Naturals continue their six-game series against the Arkansas Travelers in North Little Rock tonight. This after splitting the first two games of that series. The Nats will return to Arvest Ballpark in Springdale Tuesday night to begin one of their longest home stands of the season. They'll play 12 games in 13 days against San Antonio and Springfield. And tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, our regular Friday guest, Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics, will help us review the week's news. Courtney Lanning reviews the new Jamie Foxx vampire movie called Day Shift. And we'll talk with Becca Martin-Brown, the features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, about what we can do this weekend. That's all tomorrow at noon and 7 on Ozarks at Large. Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. I am so happy to be back with new Sound Perimeter segments after a busy summer. Back in the day, composers would write musical postcards to document their traveling with music. We open Sound Perimeter today with French composer Germain Taillefer's Arabesque for clarinet and piano, my initial postcard for you, a piece that I listened for the first time this summer in a recital while in Bangkok, Thailand. 
I was completely taken by its beauty, simplicity, and the promise of hope after longing. That was a brilliant duo interpreting arabesque for clarinet and piano by Germaine Tylefer. Tylefer is known for being the only woman part of the prestigious 20th century group of French composers known as the Six. She had a long and very prolific career both in France and in the United States and is remembered mostly for her chamber works and film music. I listened to this piece for the first time this past July while visiting Thailand. In the same recital, I was introduced to the piece Malai by Thai composer Vanik Potavanik. Phuang Malai is the local name for a garland made from fresh flowers. While in Bangkok, I saw those garlands placed everywhere, in shrines, businesses, at markets and on street stalls, hanging from the rear-view mirrors in motor vehicles and available for sale at red traffic lights. They are symbols of luck and respect. This piece honors the beauty of those flower garlands by using known Thai traditional melodies strung together in a continuum. Let us listen to Malai in a live performance by the Circulo Trio. Thank you. 
Malai by Thai composer Vanik Potavanik is a beautiful piece that, like a flower garland, showcases Thai traditional melodies. Today in San Perimeter, I share with you some sonic memories from my recent summer travels and experiences that certainly expanded my own musical boundaries. I hope today's postcards do the same for you. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. See you soon. The 70th annual Cherokee National Holiday returns to an in-person event in and around Tahlequah, Labor Day weekend. That'll be from Thursday, September 1st through Sunday, September 4th. The Cherokee National Holiday will also continue to provide a number of virtual elements so Cherokee citizens who cannot attend the in-person activities this year can participate in the celebration online. You can do that at CherokeeHoliday.com. For people at the celebration, there will be a fishing tournament and inter-tribal powwow, as well as traditional games. Cherokee National Holiday commemorates the signing of the Cherokee Nation Constitution in 1839, which reestablished the tribe's government in Indian Territory after forced removal from the Cherokee's original homelands in the southeast. Full schedule of activities and more de uh, details can be found at the Facebook page for Cherokee National Holiday. The 26th annual Japanese Fall Festival in Springfield, Missouri is coming up with headliners Samurai Sword Soul performing choreographed Japanese sword fighting set to traditional and rock music. The festival is September 9th through 11th, also includes a dance ensemble from San Jose's Japantown, a storyteller and magician originally from Japan, a large-scale calligrapher from Fukushima, drumming ensembles, and martial arts demonstrations. The festival is hosted by the Springfield Botanical Gardens at Nathaniel Green Close Memorial Park. More information at peacethroughpeople.org. Oh, and one more reminder going back to something earlier on our program today. You can not just call 811 before you dig, but you can also file a ticket at arkansas811.com. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Springdale. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Anna Pope, Timothy Dennis, Leo Uribe, Paul Gatling, and Robbie Korth from State Impact. Timothy produced today's show. He also produced today's Sound Perimeter. Additional material on today's program provided by the news staff at KUAR, Public Radio for Little Rock and Central Arkansas. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellams. Thanks for being with us. Back with you tomorrow. <laughs>